The following podcast contains some adult language and sexual situations. You're welcome. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of this season of Slightly Concerned. This is Andrew, joined by the lovely Jazz. Hey guys, I managed to make it through the entire season. Somehow we managed to work with each other for long enough. I think it helps that we're not in the same state because I am still alive and currently bruise free. This is true. And he, we wouldn't be able to find the bruises that I leave on Andrew. They're mostly to his ego. So that's okay. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm damaged nice. for life. <laughs> Jazz, how are you? How are you feeling about this? Uh, I'm fine. I, I I was in tears earlier, but not for the reason that people suspect. Well, it probably is for the reason that people suspect, because I don't think people believe I actually cry or have true emotions or have feelings past anger. Um, <laughs> I'm going right? to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found this place called Thai in a Box that, like, my friend raised about. I had, like, the pad thai from there. I did not like it at all, so I didn't eat there for, like, a year. And then, um, I learned that curry's made with coconut milk and anti-death. So I was like, hey, I'll give it another try. And I got the one with the three peppers, and it was, like, like, licking the sun. It was mm. so hot, but so fucking good. It Like, I'm gonna do it again. I had, like, a box of tissues... I was texting Andrew saying, hey, man, if it sounded like I was crying, I was, but don't feel like it was anything outside the fact that this uh, curry is delicious and I can't stop. I have a box of tissues, but for a different reason. So what are we talking about today? Uh, Well, I think we mentioned in our opener that we were going to talk about designer babies, and I realized that we never fucking got around to it. So let's talk about designer babies. <laughs> Well, this is actually a topic that I have been very excited to talk about. So I'm glad that we held it off to the season finale because I think it's really interesting and pretty controversial as well. True. So, a, lot, a lot more interesting than 401ks. So like, I'm glad we saved this for the final. Right. But I did get to tell the story about the Einstein guy. Oh. The Einstein guy. <laughs> I wonder what he's up to nowadays. I wonder if he's still alive. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. We'll find him and we'll have him as a guest on a show. And, Let's uh... not. Let's not say we didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. So let's talk about how designer babies started. We're, we're going to go all the way back to selective breeding because, as we know, that's how we have these domesticated and often fucked up looking dogs is through selective breeding. I believe pugs were like selectively bred in China for royalty is what the story is. And then you got Shih Tzus and then the racing dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greyhounds. They make me see. They make me sad. I don't I don't like dogs that are bred specifically for entertainment value and nothing else. I mean, I felt like I was bred for entertainment value and nothing else. Right, but that wasn't That's on a whole purpose. Different story. 
<laughs> True. I wasn't, oh, fuck, baby. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, same. Uh, so, from selective breeding, later on, you know, several hundred years later, we had... I'm sure everybody who has ever taken a biology class or knows about Mendel and his peas and how he planted pea plants and he had red ones and he had white ones and then he planted them next to each other so they cross-pollinated and then he got pink ones and wow. So that led to the understanding of genetics and recessive genes and dominant genes and it really paved the way for actual selective breeding in the future it enabled the appearance of recessive and dominant traits to be tracked so this carried on all the way to today now we have we now have gmos that people are afraid of for some reason jazz have you ever seen a non-gmo banana you mean outside the fact that i was angry about someone saying that i can't have the cotton candy flavored grapes because they're GMOs and I had to find research to show them that they eat GMOs. No, not outside of that. <laughs> Most of our research is rage induced. So <laughs> So you've never seen a non-GMO banana? I have. Oh you have. I okay. have because I that's I had to research for something they ate. Because that that was a very vague statement. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so they're horrifying, aren't they? They're like thick and green and they have these huge ass seeds. They're actually not very sweet either. So we genetically modified them, selective breeding, and now we have these nice bananas that are seedless. And fun fact, seedless fruit are typically just clones. You just split a piece off of the original plant and grow a new plant from that because you can't grow another plant. They don't have seeds. Their gametes are made to be frail and damaged, so they stay tiny instead of being big-ass So ass we can chew them seeds. up good. Huh? So we can chew them up good. Exactly. So we basically fuck up their ovaries just so that they are easier to eat, and then we just pick off a piece of the plant and grow a new plant and make more fruit that way. That's what I do with my green onions. Yeah, magic of science. Yeah, I guess speaking of how scientists are just digging around, changing up fruit, just makes me wonder if we ever did that with, like, you know, people. Because I know, like, a lot of folks have issues having the babies. And then there are other folks who have no problem having the babies. Right. So in 1977, the first IVF procedure actually occurred. And IVF, for those that don't know, stands for in vitro fertilization. Yeah, so vitro is Latin for, for within the glass. So it is within the glass it is created. Right, which dubbed the term test tube babies. So in vitro fertilization, the egg is fertilized by sperm inside of a petri dish or a tube outside of the womb. And then the resulting embryo is implanted into the uterus, and the body just kind of does its thing. Of course, there are hormone therapies that can be added into the mix to assist with the, you know, get, get the machinery going, get everything a-pumping correctly. This is a process that's used to help a lot of people with serious fertility issues. In this specific case, the 1977 case, she had blocked fallopian tubes. So she couldn't push the egg through to the uterus. So it was perfect 
to just make the embryo and then plop it in there. So this was later modified by this discovery of CRISPR-Cas9. And Jazz, have you ever heard of CRISPR-Cas9? Uh, no, but it does sound like delicious potato chips. So please <laughs> indulge me. <laughs> so more recently, a discovery was made completely by accident inside of bacteria. There is a substance called Cas9 and also a substance called CRISPR. And a CRISPR is actually just a piece of RNA. RNA is just a mirror image of DNA. And then Cas9 is a protein that just, it's like genetic scissors. It just cuts through DNA. And what happens is there are these things called bacteriophages, which are viruses that specifically attack bacteria. So when a virus attacks a bacteria, it shoves its DNA, well, its DNA or its RNA, it'll shove it into the cell, and then the cell will start to exclusively make more viruses. Instead of reproducing and making more bacterial cells, it'll only be able to make viruses. So when a bacteria survives this attack and manages to fight off the virus, then it'll keep a piece of that virus's DNA or RNA inside of itself. And that piece will become a CRISPR. So the CRISPR will attach to the Cas9 enzyme. So that way, when another virus of the same kind comes along and tries to attack the cell, as soon as it shoots in its DNA, the bacteria will recognize that DNA because it's carrying around a piece of it. And it's holding it up to every little piece of DNA that comes into its walls. And it's like, is this that DNA? And then once it finds it, it just cuts the fuck out of it. It just snips it up into little pieces and inactivates the DNA. So it can't do anything. It can't harm the cell anymore. So scientists have isolated the Cas9 to enable it to do a lot of different things in human genetics and genetics in general. It's been a huge scientific... Advancement? Yes. It's been a huge scientific advancement and discovery. And it's changed a lot of things. So now we can use Cas9 to completely deactivate pieces of DNA by just cutting it out. And then when you cut out that DNA, the body tends to make a mistake when it's trying to fix it. And so then that DNA becomes, or that section of DNA becomes inactivated. Or you can have the Cas9 only cut into the DNA and then shove some more DNA in there and swap things out and move things around. It's very versatile. It can do a lot of different things. So it can ultimately just change the DNA altogether. That's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty big deal. And because it can do things like change out single base pairs, sickle cell anemia is a disease where the red blood cells will just kind of pop. You know how red blood cells are sort of shaped like inner tubes? Yeah. Well, when you have sickle cell anemia, they pop and they become sickle shaped, hence why it's called sickle cell anemia. Because of the fucked up shape of them, they get caught in all sorts of places and they cause blood clots, they reduce blood flow, they cause a lot of pain and just so many health problems. And I've encountered a few people with sickle cell anemia and it is not pleasant. So CRISPR-Cas9 can actually prevent or potentially remove it. That's actually the study that's going on right now uh, to remove sickle cell anemia in adult patients so i thought that was fun 
I think that would be like perfect because like I had a karate student with it and they would be on the mat for like a month and then they're back in the hospital for like two, three weeks. And he was having a very rough time. So it would be awesome if we could just help him be better and be able to live his life. Yeah. Because that's, that's a lot of your life in a hospital and in pain. That sucks. You're completely right because the patients that I've seen have been in the hospital for terribly long periods of time and very frequently. And it sucks. It sucks because there's only so much treatment for it. It's a genetic disorder, so it's not going to just go away. It's just always there. So if you can treat the gene that causes it, that could be life-changing, life-saving. But then this leads into how IVF has been changed by CRISPR-Cas9. So now we have a process called pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which I'm just going to call PGD from here on because it's easier. So using PGD, we basically scan through the entire genome of every embryo that we make, and we can tell if this baby is going to have this sickle cell gene or not. And if it has it, then that embryo gets discarded and then the one that doesn't have it gets used. So I recently learned a lot about in vitro fertilization because I didn't know much about the actual process. So typically anywhere from three to 20 different eggs are collected and fertilized, but sometimes more. That's what you were saying, right? Yeah, because I think I, I actually had a friend who was an in vitro baby and they took 40 eggs because it was a two-step process. 40 eggs. Because they took one set and then they didn't have enough viable ones. And they did the second step and it was super successful. And they had 20 viable embryos for them to choose from. And I believe her parents picked two because they wanted twinsies. And then my friend uh, absorbed the other baby. So they became one in the womb. Which... It sounds like a very jazz thing to do. Right? I'm sad that I didn't eat a uh, twin in the womb. There can only be one. The world (laughs) is not ready for two of me. I'm definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) So in the year 2000, the first designer baby was made. And do you know about this, Jazz? I had no idea. When you first told me about designer babies, I was thinking like, Oh, so they popularized the term of what Jazz wants to do when she goes picks out a cute Asian baby and it's like a designer purse as an accessory. But then I learned <laughs> that's not what it was. <laughs> so in 2000, there was a family and their daughter had Fanconi anemia, which is a very aggressive blood disease. And typically most children with it don't live past the age of eight or nine. One of the options that they, well, I guess really the only option that they had because they struggled to find a donor for her because it required a bone marrow transplant. And they struggled for years to find a donor. And obviously she didn't have much time to find a donor. So their decision was to have a sibling. GMO'd. (laughs) What? Did you say they they GMO'd a baby? Uh, So they decided to have a child via in vitro, and so they used PGD to determine a child that didn't have the disorder gene and was also a match for bone marrow transplant. So they ended up having this child specifically with the purpose of 
treating their daughter and that created a lot of controversy but at the same time their daughter did survive they ended up using stem cells from the child's umbilical cord to treat the daughter and she made a full recovery which you know it's cool that they were able to help the kid but i don't know i feel like there's probably several people who they're like science has gone too far which is weird because we want science to help cure people but now we're picking and choosing individuals who can survive and all this other stuff yeah but at the same time if you were a parent and that was the only option for your child would you do it or no i would i have often been told that i have a very skewed moral compass I see no problem with it. I think it's awesome. I see no problem with it either. I mean, there's a philosophical standpoint of now that child knows their purpose in life and they fulfill that purpose. What is their purpose? What what other purpose may they serve? It's like the Rick and Morty episode where <laughs> the butter robot. Rick made the robot and uh, there he's just sitting there and he asks Rick, what's his purpose? Your purpose is to pass the butter. And he had passed the butter, and the existential crisis began. Is this all I do? Am I only to pass butter? Did I already <laughs> serve my purpose? Is there anything else left in this existence? Yeah, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And it turned out that the family had a third kid, and they decided to go with in vitro, which at this point makes sense because you know you wouldn't you i definitely wouldn't want to have a child that goes through that horrible situation. I mean, even if their son did end up being a viable transplant donor for their new child, you know, bone marrow transplants are not fun. So to to have to subject both of your children to that would just be awful. So I can completely understand why they didn't. And then you run the risk that they're not a match. Right. Then you have to make a fourth baby. Right. So I can completely understand why they decided to go through in vitro to determine which embryo to keep that didn't have the gene. But the particularly controversial section of this is that in vitro fertilization, as we mentioned, you take a whole bunch of eggs and you fertilize them and then you scan all of the embryos and you determine which one has the genes that you're looking for. And then the rest are essentially discarded. So it's sort of like having several abortions outside of the uterus, sort of. And that's where a lot of people are having issues with it because they say things like there were 15 lives before you and now they don't get a chance to exist, which I don't personally think that way because I I don't know, science, I, I don't. I don't personally see it that way, but I can see why other people see it that way. My lack of heart allows me to see past the death of <laughs> the possible death because you run into the argument of when does life begin? Right, exactly. And that's always and a thing. And then one of the arguments is when you are combined inside the womb and then they're combined outside the womb. So are they a science experiment? Is planting that child into the maternal figure going to make them a human? Are they not human? And I, I just find it really weird how, like, we as humans want to label everything. Oh, yeah. If you look at science, we have, like, seven-class system on labeling things. That's And then true. we find something that doesn't match that labeling system, and we're just like, we gotta plug it in somehow. Like the platypus. And it's like the platypus. <laughs> that fucked up monster that we all love. <laughs> what do you mean it's a mammal that lays eggs? Everything's ruined. <laughs> And also sweats milk and has poisonous or venomous, venomous, 
And it also has venomous hind claws. Yeah, because poison is if you eat something, and venom is when it injects into you, which is another classification that we have for something that's both equally bad. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just really interesting, because, like, again, that's one of my favorite classes I took in college was philosophy. So the philosophical morals and issues that stem from these things is just always fun to think about. I had a biomedical ethics class, and I had a lot of fun with it because we talked about things like abortion and euthanasia and what is actually right and what is wrong about it and you know, how you can even define right and wrong and something that's so ambiguous. It was a fun time. So beautiful. So this has obviously come under fire because people believe that people shouldn't play God because you're selecting which child gets to live out of a group of them but are they children if they are a cluster of cells at that point they don't have a heartbeat or anything really at that point this is true they're just kind of a scrambled egg oh let me decide which scrambled egg to put in the maternal figure to make a baby Woo! <laughs> exactly ah <laughs> uh, yes so you know there are a lot of pros to genetically modifying children you obviously can have healthy children and the potential to remove horrible diseases like cystic fibrosis. That is a nasty disease. It's awful. And to have a child with it, so sad. It is. So you can prevent cystic fibrosis. You can prevent SIDS, which typically a lot of infants just don't survive when they have SIDS because their immune system is just trash. There are so many different diseases and illnesses that you can prevent and preventing these diseases, you know, could potentially remove them from the genome in the distant future. Kind of like we were talking about in the vaccines episode, how we eradicated smallpox altogether because it didn't have a place to host anymore. If we just didn't have people with the disease, then the disease wouldn't exist anymore. But then it also brings into question, what is a disease? Right, because you have this thing where you can pick and choose essentially if this kid's gonna have the disease so like well i don't want to have a kid that's going to be bald when they're in middle school or i don't want to have a kid who's gonna have blue eyes or i want the kid to look more like their father than to look like me or i want this baby to have red hair and instead of just going into the catalog on an adoption thing and just saying oh this is a kid that looks like something that will fit in my family you are growing it. It's almost, you know, like in The Sims, where you can fiddle with how the child's going to look like. It's pretty much doing that, but in real life. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I can see issues stemming from the fact, as you were saying, like, okay, so if we have concerns about Down syndrome, and I don't want that to be in my child, well, what if I now can see them liking League of Legends. Can I get rid of that if that's genetically predispositioned (laughs) and just prevent them from ever installing the game and save them from hours and hours of agony? But then that brings into question ableism. Right. You know, then it's a question... If we should allow people to play League anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Then it brings into question is down syndrome so bad that these people shouldn't exist like that seems like a really cruel thing to do and say and believe and it really sort of stomps on disability rights to say that 
we're we're not going to have these people. We're going to go out of our way to make sure that this doesn't occur. Wow, this sounds a lot like the master race right now. It does. It does. It, it's definitely definitely a little eugenics e where we are able to pick out what we want and make this beautiful specimen and what if we just all make the same thing and there's no more genetic diversity and we're all just the same perfect being uh, we all become one it's just yes this this is the dream that i'm looking for <laughs> <laughs> but also how do you define what a disease is is gay a disease if we isolate genes that contribute to <laughs> being gay you could potentially eradicate them. Is that okay? Right. If you want to have a perfectly tanned child, like again, it's it's running into, I can make sure that my baby's going to look like a model. I'm going to have beautiful kids and they're going to grow up to be gorgeous, just like Jazz. And we can avoid having children that look yep. like Andrew. Haha, <laughs> that was me. I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> no, it's fine. I know I have a face for radio. <laughs> That's why we're doing a podcast. Exactly. There are no videos. I don't even own a camera. That's <laughs> <why>. <laughs> you you can run into that issue because if you think about it, how everyone like in middle school really wanted to have a Justin Bieber haircut, you can literally just have children born with blonde hair. And then we just eradicate redheads and brunettes. I mean, they're kind of doing that themselves by just not being born anymore. Well, I, I think redhead, that gene is recessive. Yeah, so, and they're going extinct. Yeah. 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 Fun fact. <laughs> my, my my boyfriend's a dying breed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he loves you, so yes. Oh, well, no, that's just showing that he's dying on the inside, that he's willing to just live with me for the rest of their <laughs> life. That has nothing to do with his genetic predisposition. <laughs> He's just a glutton for punishment. There's a difference. I love that you're supposed to be the bad person, but I make jokes about you all the time, and you made one joke and said, that was mean, I'm sorry. Uh, that was big snarky. It was one of those, I was enabling my meanness. It was like, now you can't be mad at me because I apologize. <laughs> okay. What are What are your thoughts on this, Jazz? So, honestly, I, I I can see the issue. My bureaucratic heart is just singing right now. It's like, we're going to have to make paperwork, and we're going to say, and we're gonna have to draw <laughs> defined lines on what's okay and what's not okay. But the issue with doing that is like when we talked about Congress. The issues the Founding Fathers were dealing with are severely different than the issues that we are currently dealing with. If we were to draw up a constitution of genetic rights for individuals, and we can't get rid of a embryo because they have such and such, but we can get rid of an embryo because they have this then we're running into an issue of, are we going to be able to get this passed? Is this going to be locked in forever? Are we going to create a system for us to be able to change this opinion? Because if you look at the entire history of the human race, and from when we first had civilization, when we first started making roles, what certain people believe is right is mainly dictated by their culture. And now that we live in a world that's so interconnected and woven, that we talk to people from the Philippines, and they're on the other side of everything and we can have severely different opinions on something just because of the culture that we are bred in and our opinions can change on a regular basis 
right? I feel like it's a really super sticky situation, but if Jazz was the emperor of the universe and was able to make these decisions, I would gladly do it. (laughs) And I would have no problem with the decisions that I make, but the issue is Andrew may not agree with my opinions. So (laughs) that's where it's going to fall into because we all have different dictations of what we perceive as right and wrong and what's okay and not okay. I definitely think that it should be a global discussion and decision because it is a very controversial topic and rightly so. We're talking about lives here, lives of people. And, and, you know, it it doesn't even matter where you draw the line as to where life starts because I'm not just talking about the embryos. I'm talking about the people that are born. I'm talking about the people around them that are affected. Like, how would you feel as a person with Down syndrome if you knew that everyone around you was selected specifically so they didn't have Down syndrome? And also, when we were talking about what constitutes a disease, well, there are lots of genetic disorders that obviously have a mortality rate to them. And people with Down syndrome typically don't live as long as people without. So you could consider that a genetic disorder that has a fatality rate attached to it. I have a genetic thing where I don't have enough good cholesterol. I have the heart of a 50-year-old obese man who lives in a very stressful job. I am super duper prone to heart attacks, and that could be something that could uh, be what kicks me at the beginning, which, again, I would be okay with because my suffering is eternal. And... (laughs) God. God. (laughs) We never got enough money to fund my therapy that I clearly need. So. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> right. So. Uh, um. <laughs> Good luck bringing us back on topic, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I was saying, uh, to define a disease and to define what is what can and can't be removed from the genome is a touchy subject in and of itself because you have these fully functioning people who are contributing to society and they're happy and they love and feel like everybody else and you're kind of saying that they aren't worth as much as everyone else in a sense so yeah i think that it's a i think that it's a touchy subject and you know i am 100% for in vitro fertilization and i am so excited for the advancements with CRISPR-Cas9. I know that I was reading an article not too long ago. It was like a couple years ago. But I was reading an article that was talking about the successful removal of 50% of HIV from the genome of rats. So it was just removing the virus from them altogether. And then there were supposed to be human trials of removing HPV from humans like from live adults and that would just be so amazing to have these awful viruses and just treat the viruses and cut the dna out of the person so then it really can't ever manifest again like if you had shingles you could just get it cut out of you and then you would never have to worry about it flaring up again kind of like how we deal with cancer just cutting it out and just hoping it doesn't hit again (laughs) Right. And well, and that's another thing too, actually, CRISPR-Cas9 has been used to modify immune cells so that they respond to cancer cells Ah. and remove them. It's also been used to, so there are sort of like several switches 
for cancer and when all or too many of the switches get flipped then the cell will start to recreate like crazy and it'll just make a fuck ton of bad cells but with crispr cas9 you can sort of flip those switches into the right direction again you can turn them off i like it yeah so very interesting very huge medical achievement there's so much good that we can do with it but there's also a world of bad that we can do with it so i'm interested i want to hear other people's thoughts as well i want to know how other people feel about this and you know maybe we can touch on the subject again someday someday if only they would know our gmail which is we're slightly concerned at gmail.com the most perfect plug ever jasmine because if we had a question or just want to tell jazz oh my god you're a horrible monster right uh you can just email us at we're slightly concerned at gmail.com and andrew who checks it will say ha 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 jazz they think you're a jerk and then send it I to strongly <laughs> recommend people just making false email accounts and just emailing us hate messages to Jazz because I think it's really good for her self-esteem. And, oh, it definitely uh, needs to be deflated. There there definitely needs to be some off switches hit on that because it is all-encompassing. <laughs> if you leave it too long, Andrew's going to find it outside his doorstep. <laughs> That's true, and you're not in the same state, so... That's, or even yeah, like the same I, I, part I of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. It's definitely close to inflating this far. So yeah, please help me. Uh, you know, make make your contribution today to deflate Jazz's <laughs> ego. You can help. Yeah, don't feel like it's gonna hurt my feelings. It, it's just probably gonna be like, okay, <laughs> I should probably tone it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right so that being said email your comments questions concerns and maybe we'll cover them in a season two question mark question mark exclamation point <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> well i think that pretty much wraps us up for the season what what we made like a youtube channel when we were like itty bitty babies forever ago. yeah and then yeah but we don't talk about that <laughs> oh. we don't want because to be my found. face is for radio <laughs> i don't want to okay. break anybody's computer screens oh no don't worry there's not enough pixels to truly see anything that's true that's true back when we filmed on potatoes so we made it we didn't kill each other and we didn't block each other on every form of social media so good job jazz Good work, Andrew. I'm proud of you. I appreciate all you've done to this podcast, including, but not limited to, editing, researching half the topics, finding any human being who's willing to sit down and have a discussion with me, and and sitting with me for 10 episodes. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, you did a lot of work as well, so I appreciate you, Jazz. Thanks. And... On that extremely gushy note, uh, I'm going to go fuck off and I'll talk to you guys when I talk to you, question mark. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. All right. Take care, everyone. Know that I appreciate you. Bye. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.
The information represented in this podcast is based on loosely researched topics done by millennials and do not represent the beliefs of their employers or any other group affiliations. In fact, we recommend that you all research your topics as well and not just take our word for it. Take care and we appreciate you.